Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. Welcome to episode number 16 of the pod. Mitchell to the Mecca. Putting that out there in the universe because, gosh, you know, in working with a company called Believe, this is really a team I've tried to believe in for decades and has, believe me, sent me to plenty of therapy. Thank you, Unfiltered Band, as we talk about the Knicks today and Donovan Mitchell and the trade possibilities and, you know, I talked about this in a previous pod when this first kind of erupted with the Jazz, and it began with the small little Royce O'Neal deal, right, the Nets, and then, yeah, the big trade with Gobert. And clearly, like, Danny Ainge is like, you know, let's break it down to build it up. It's like, you know, Larry Brown, Bill Parcells, you'd have coaches who would, like, show up, and they would, like, build the team up, and then either they just get there in the finals or they win the whole thing, and then they leave, Right. Like, he, like, gets there, and it's close, sort of, and then he wants to just destroy it and turn it into something else. I, this team is clearly in a mode where it made sense, and I said this weeks ago, and I think anybody who, you know, has any kind of a brain was saying, there's no point in going, like, half in. Like, first of all, that fits for two different things. You see over my shoulder the Prospects are Cool Parades are Cooler shirts, which you can get at CottonBureau.com, by the way. But you... That idea, the other way, right? We'll talk about the trade deadline with Major League Baseball here in a couple weeks a lot on this podcast. That is about the approach of going for it, right? Why would you want to win 88 games, barely get into a wild card, go home in nine innings, right? Or, you know, in one game when you can go a little bit further and you got to push the pedal. You got to go ahead and you take a risk, but then all of a sudden you got a chance to get a division title, avoid a one game situation. Go further, make more money as a company, as obviously as fans, we want to see a team win a World Series in that sport, right? Whether it's in baseball or in basketball in this case, if you're going the other way, you might as well go the other way and like punt and don't do, as I've referenced, like the Reds thing and like try and stay in the middle, although they did just take a series from the Yankees. And with all due respect to Aaron Judge, who said that's a good baseball team over there, that's paying too much respect. Uh, to what the Reds were doing. It's interesting because Brandon Nimmo the other way was like, hey, we got a win a week ago, I think it was, and said, I know it's the Reds, but when you root for the Knicks, I want to start with, because I want to get into and delve into why this is so important for the Knicks to do. And whether it's right or not in some vacuum, why it is right for the Knicks. Because it's not about, just like, in any other situation in life and with the prospect situation, right? No matter what mantra you're using or what you're saying fits, it's, it's who it fits for, right? Like I might not wear the same clothes you wear. Certainly I can't shop at the same store that Shaq is shopping, right? So like it, it depends who it's for and what, yeah, that looked good on you, wouldn't look good on me, right? Well, it's no different than what situation is a team in and why is it, a necessity for them to make that trade. And I want to get into why this is a necessity for me to the Knicks to, to push further and pull the trigger and get this done, all right? But I want to begin with what it's like to be a Knicks fan, all right? Growing up and in the 80s, becoming a fan of this team, got to see the end of Bernard King, got the beginning and end, all of the experience with Patrick Ewing, the great years with Oak and you know, the 90s, and we know about John Starks and 2 for 17 and all of that. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing because 
I remember going to, they used to have, I don't know if they have it anymore, but a Manhattan College, and I went for a couple of years. They used to have a Gatorade Knicks basketball camp. And I went there for a couple of years, and I remember going to the camp the year after John Starks missed all of those shots and going to this camp and him telling us that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, which is actually a great life thing. I don't know if it was a great thing to keep Rolando Blackman on the bench the rest of that game if you're Pat Riley or to hand John Starks the ball. But for shooters, you shoot, right, until you get hot. It just never happened. And to be honest, what people forget about that series in 94-95 in the finals is he had a shot in the corner in game six that should have ended that series. The Knicks should have won it a game before. It was the fact that it went to seven that was a bigger problem than, than John Starks missing those shots, but neither here nor there. Now, we all know Hubert Davis and the foul shots at Kukoc instead of Pippen, and oh, Jordan was playing baseball. It's not real. We can talk about this forever, right? Um, they had chances in 92, lost in seven games, I think, to the Bulls, and I want to say that was the semifinal, and then I think it was the conference final in game six the year after that, if I remember correctly. It might be reversed, one of the two, all right? I've been at the Garden watching Jordan put 60 on this team, I have, I have, I mean, I, I've been through, you know, it's like, hey, John Starks, by the way, the dunk was over Jordan. I don't even want to hear that. I don't even want to hear that noise, okay? But then we went through, like, a weird time. Like, one of my favorite Nick teams ever, it may be my favorite. It's interesting because I love I loved Patrick Ewing for all the things he couldn't do and when he should have dunked and didn't. And, you know, during the teams where Charles Smith had, like, you know, 58 different kind of layups that he tried to, I mean, you know, can you just, can you dunk the basketball? Seriously, can you, you know, you hear like as a kid, go up strong. Like when you're coaching young kid, right? Go, go up strong. You might get fouled. Are you kidding me? Like, can you not take two hands and try and dunk the ball? Then Patrick Ewing did it in a different way against Indiana in the series where Reggie went to the finals where he like tried to finger roll from too far away. I mean, I, I've seen it all, right? One of my favorite, I'll give you two of my favorite Nick fan scenarios, neither that netted a championship, right? One was 10 days long, and you know where I'm going with that in a second. One was in, I, I think in my lifetime, the team I most enjoyed watching, and it's a shame because Patrick Ewing was hurt for most of it and then couldn't really be a part of everything against the Spurs, and they weren't as good a team. I think they lost in five games in 98-99, right? Or was it 99-2000? But that team that they had with Marcus Camby and Larry Johnson and the four-point play and Chris Childs and Charlie Ward and all of, like, those couple of years, like, that was, a, that was as much fun as I've ever had as a Nick fan. That was a fun team with Sprewell, like, and Allen Houston. Like, that was a fun team. They got out on the break. They hit threes. Like, they were fun. After watching the Knicks slog it up and down you know i root for the new york giants and you know the depiction of like the bill parcells years was the game forget about norwood missing which was not a short field goal it was like 48 yards but watching oj anderson run the ball like nine thousand times in a row like it's like watching the army football team with the amount that they ran right so I'm used to like slogging it up and down the field and then like you play like a team like the Niners and they go four plays in like, you know, 80 yards in like 57 seconds. You see on the bottom of the screen and it's like your team is like 16 plays. I remember as a kid like watching Monday Night Football, I was like, why are there so many plays in this drive? Because everything is a four yard pass and an out or a screen pass. Or you could run up the middle like 9000 times. I'm used to that, right? Watching the Knicks, you may win a game 81 to 79. Now, I know they were scary, Anthony Bonner and, 
Xavier McDaniel and Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley. I mean, it was literally like having like, you know, I, I, it was it was like the Monstars. I mean, they were they were going to it was I, I don't even it was like WWE more than it was the NBA half the time. But you had like this badass team that wasn't going to take any shit that played at the Garden. It was fun. I mean, there was something to that. But that team in the late 90s got out on the break, and they hit threes, and they were fun, and Larry Johnson, and there was swag to the team. It was a different kind of swag, not like we're going to beat you up, but like, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to put it on you offensively. You know, Allen Houston, yeah, everybody gets on the $100 million contract, which obviously, you, look, you could take the money if you get paid. And the ball that bounced a million times to beat the Heat when they were in eight beating a one. But he had some dynamic games. Games where he outplayed Reggie against the Pacers. Like, he had some really, really good games for the Knicks and good seasons for them. Larry Johnson's four-point play, which was on my birthday against Indiana. So that was probably as much fun as I had. Then the fun stopped. And I mean the fun, it just, the fun shot down. There was the no-fun league. There were no all-stars. There was nothing. Then, like, here came Mello. Like, you know, I remember the, they had the, you know, Diddy, or I don't know which name he's up to now, uh, you know, coming. Maybe, was he Puff then? I don't even know. But, like, you know, I'm coming home, and, like, you know, here's Mello, and he's coming home, and, like, is it, sort of, is it really his home? Anyway, but when Mello joined the team, there was, like, a rejuvenation of, okay, maybe we're, like, we're going to figure this thing out now. We're, getting, we're coming back into it. That never really transpired. It was always like, who's he going to play with? Is he selfish? Is he not? He kind of had, if you're using baseball ties, the Carlos Beltran career for me, where like you don't realize, and he's seen as a far better player than Beltran was in terms of like how they're seen from you know a historical standpoint and Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And I know Melo's had a you know bit different basketball career, but kind of like wow, he did a lot of really good things that we kind of shit on him the whole time, um, but the best two weeks of his career for me as a fan were the two weeks he wasn't there. Linsanity was the most fun thing I've, I've experienced as a Nick fan since the late nineties team, for sure. It's not even a question. Like I'm curious at me, Casey Stern with other Nick, even NBA like picked it. I mean, it was, it was, it was as much fun as anything. It was like a, it, it the garden felt like the garden. Like if you go back to Larry Johnson's four point play, literally you thought the building was going to explode. That's the garden during those kind of games. I mean, you don't have to listen to late Kobe or LeBron or MJ. Or, why, why do you think they have the games they have when they elevate to the garden? The garden's different. Like, sometimes we overblow half of that nonsense. And it's not, look, the Knicks, and we're going to get to this in a second, aren't some sales pitch to everybody. But when you play on the road, playing in the garden is pretty much, you know, city-wise, people want to go to Chicago. But in terms of playing in a building, it's the garden for almost everybody who's worth anything in the NBA. And you don't take my word for it, right? But it hasn't been that for the home team. It hasn't been that for the home team in a while, right? Two years ago, they had the year, okay, they're taking a step up. I love what Julius Randle has done. And then they kind of take a step back. And I think R.J. Barrett, look, he's 22 years old. or He's not even 23 yet, right? Still a long time to grow. I mentioned this, and I want to start here, with the Jalen Brunson deal as an example. All right. And I used the same example in a previous iteration of the pod in just like a one minute segment. But I want to kind of expound on it to really set up where I want to go here on Donovan Mitchell. OK. And I use an analogy. Another New York team, the Yankees. OK. We talk about the Knicks. We talk about the Mecca. We talk about Madison Square Garden. We talk about all that they represent. All that's true. All right. In the sport. I mean, look, Biggie's basketball. And the it, it is. I mean, it is what it is. Right. But the Yankees, we talk about the same way. Yankee Stadium and the Bronx and wearing the pinstripes. 
the difference is, even though the Yankees haven't won the World Series all the time, right? They haven't. And, you know, they haven't won in a while. And the Red Sox beat them and the Rays knocked them out. I know all that stuff. I'm not a Yankee fan, as you know, okay? But the aura is still there. Like, there is a real thing about, like, you heard me ask Todd Frazier about it. And he, didn't, he grew up a fan of both teams, which is good luck with that. But you put on the Yankee pinstripes. I could even tell you, going into the old Yankee Stadium as a kid, it was like a different thing. Like, one of the greatest days I had as a kid was I would happen to go to Jim Abbott's no-hitter in 93, early September. I want to say it was, was it the 4th, maybe? Um, but being there for that, it was, like, amazing. Like, you walk it, look, you walk into Yankee Stadium, it's a different feel. You walk into the Garden for a basketball game, for sure. And it's a good hockey arena. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a really good environment for the Rangers, as much as I hate them. But it's a different thing when you walk in there for any kind of basketball. I don't care if it's a high school game. It's a different thing, all right? But what's been going on on the floor has been hot garbage. So I bring up the Yankees because to go back as an example of how these two teams are talked about the same but seen totally differently in terms of their value to free agents and players. I remember years ago when Mark Teixeira, the big offseason with uh, Sabathia, and I think it was, was it the same one as A-Rod? It was a third there. But they had a big offseason right before they won the World Series, right, in 2008 when they beat the Phillies, or 2009. When you look at that offseason, Mark Teixeira was a guy who was supposed to go home to Maryland, and it was like, you know, it was like the Johnny Goudreau thing that we just had, except, you know, Columbus, really? Anyway, but everybody thought he was coming back, he was going to go to Baltimore, and he never said that, but the Orioles thought they were in it. Now, the Orioles team pushed forward. If you're not a, ba a baseball fan, you're listening to this for basketball, you'll understand why I'm going here in a second. They offered $184 million. It was, I think, exactly what the Yankees gave. It might have been a little more than the Yankees gave. Like, they did. They put up. They put up or shut up. Like, we got to do it. They did it. The, and he got offered about the same, and he went to the Yankees. Because for the same money, no one's playing for the Orioles who can play for the Yankees. That still exists today. It'll exist next week and 10 weeks from now. No one's playing for the Texans who could play for even money for the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to be the same a week from now, 10 weeks from now, 10 years from now. No one is going to play, unless it's a regional thing, for the Canucks of the Flames, who is Canadian, who could play for the Montreal Canadiens or the Leafs at even money, et cetera, et cetera, and go on down the line. You want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins? I don't care what you – franchises, where they are, what they stand for, all the same thing. It's the same. Memphis Grizzlies, Los Angeles Lakers, I don't, whoever you want to give, right? But the Yankees are still handled that way. The saddest part is the Knicks are the Orioles, not the Yankees. I repeat, the Knicks are the Orioles, not the And I don't mean the Orioles now, winning 10 in a row, right? Like, go, you know, Redbird, you go Birds, excuse me, and Oriole Magic. But I mean, they literally are the Orioles. Like, the Knicks have to overpay. Why did they give Jalen Brunson so much money? Because you have to overpay somebody to come here. They get laughed at in interviews. Like in other podcasts, when players are free agents and you bring up the Knicks, they laugh. Literally. Now, the team's gotten way more credible. People have not forgotten that James Dolan is there. But, you know, a couple of years more removed from the, the Oakley situation and from, you know, him being, like, prevalent in, you know, yelling at fans and ripping up signs and nonsense. Like, seriously, how insecure are you, honestly, right? 
and I worked for MSG for years. I mean, I'm going to say I worked for him. I never met him, but I, you know, I worked for MSG many years ago. So, you know, God bless. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what I signed. Am I allowed to say anything about Dolan? I think I am. Like, he, I mean, he, look, how insecure is this dude? Seriously, right? I mean, honestly. And Cablevision is, like, the worst. Anybody's had cable. Like, Comcast, AT&T, these places are bad. Cablevision is the worst, all right? Having lived in Long Island, dealt with them for years as my cable company, they're horrific. So, sorry. So, in any case, people have kind of forgotten a little bit because you've got Tibbs, right, who is, is a prominent, incredible figure. You've got very likable pieces, likable people in Julius Randle and in R.J. Barrett and in Derrick Rose and now in Brunson, who fits that category too, right? Like, e even their ancillary parts, like, you know, quickly and some of the guys they have, like, very, Obi Toppin, right, who just won the dunk concert. They're likable pieces, it, it brought some life back into the garden two years ago, right, even though the playoff run. But the whole thing with Trey as the villain, that was great. It was great theater. But you got to overpay to get Jalen Brunson. Look, Jalen Brunson's a nice player, as I said. Reminds me a little bit of Mark Jackson in terms of like a winning mentality for a point god, as Mark Jackson would say, in the garden, right? And I think it's important. I do. He's a winning piece. But Unless RJ is taking a Tatum type of leap, and I don't know if that's in him. I don't. I don't think it is. I think he's going to be a better player than we even see. He's only 22. And I think he's got all-star you know, caliber potential, but in a tier that's below where I think a guy like a Tatum is, right? Maybe he could be more the Jalen Brown. He's like a little bit under in terms of the, the tiers, right? But Julius Randle and Barrett, and you bring back you know, Robinson, and you've got... Okay, you know, quickly and some of these other guys and young players are fine. And Brunson, it's not enough. Like, where's the star quality? Now, in the East, you are, I think, feeling better watching the Celtics. Like, if you could play really good team defense, the star quality doesn't have to be overwhelming. Like, Al Horford was 78 years old. I love Marcus Smart. But he's not a star talent. He's a star defender and a winner for sure. But... I think it makes you feel better. Like, you don't need one of these super teams to at least get there out of the East, right? So, But they're, they're still missing something. And the idea of Donovan Mitchell playing for the Knicks is something that has been thought about forever because of many, many reasons, including the fact that his dad worked for a long time with this team, with the New York Mets. The fact that he's a Met fan, he's always at the stadium. He is a huge Met fan. And that he'd love to play for the Knicks, and he'd be coming home. All right. This dude is a this is a real hometown story for sure. OK. And this is a guy who brings electricity and star quality into the building the day he gets in there. All right. Now, look, I like Jalen Brunson a lot. Winning player, not a star player. All right. Not a star quality talent. Even Kemba, who they just had. And I know it wasn't the version you want. But if you think even like Big East coming out of college, Kemba was playing those games there as a star quality talent and making that great run that he had in Connecticut. Jalen Brunson was part of, of, a, of an unbelievable team you know, element, right? With the guys that they had. He's a winning player. I know what he did without Doncic scoring 40 points and have the 30-something or whatever it was. That's not what you're asking for him to do anyway. Right? Like, if this guy averages 16 and 6 or 7 or whatever it is, that's fine. He's a winning player. He's going to make the right plays, make big shots. He's tough. I love all of that. But, you know, it's not a. Julius Randle had a star season a couple of years ago. He's become a really, really good player. It's just, you know, there's a brashness and a nature of. You know, I mentioned Latrell Sprewell, right? Latrell Sprewell wasn't like the greatest player. But the second he joined the Knicks, it was like when him and Larry Johnson were on the floor, there was electricity back in the garden. 
right? There's something about those kind of players. It's what Lynn was bringing with the story, right? Even Amari Stoudemire, Tyson Chandler brought in the way he played. Like, different guys, it's just something about the way they play, right? And Toppin's got some of that if he could add, you know, defense and being able to be more of an all-around player because he's got the flash with the donkey. But Donovan Mitchell's bringing a different kind of thing, all right? Now, I'm not trying to say this guy's Dwayne Wade. He's not. But he's bringing that kind of a thing to a building that really needs it, a roster that needs it, and he'd want to play there. And clearly the Jazz are going to trade him. So the question is, what are you willing to give up for Donovan Mitchell? And this is where I'm going to go back to, and this is what I wanted to discuss. The reason I bring up the whole situation with Brunson and overpaying him, and to share a thing as an example, right? How many free agent years in a row have we watched where no one wants to play for the Knicks? Nobody. They get all the cap space. They've had cap space. It's not like they haven't had room. They've had room at times. They made room. Nobody wants to come in the damn room, even with the Garden, even being the Knicks. And, and anybody would tell you that's in the NBA, if the Knicks are really good, that's the building to be in, for sure. I mean, pe people sell that thing out even when they're not good. Like, let me tell you something about the difference between, and I'm a Met fan. Met fans, they're going to stay behind the team. If the team's not good, they'll kind of go to the building. They're kind of not going to go, whether it was Shea or City Field now. The Garden, it's crazy. Like, they're going anyway. Like, they're locked in on a Wednesday night against the Wizards, and the team sucks, and it's a sellout. I mean, the Garden is amazing that way. It's a great atmosphere, and the fan, Nick fans are legitimately insanely loyal. Insanely loyal through an unbelievable amount of horseshit that we've had to deal with. Donovan Mitchell would immediately, for a Nick fan, have them saying unbelievably uncharacteristic things about that. Because the Knicks is like the Mets over the years rooting for that team. Here's a big difference, right? If you're a Met fan, you've been disappointed because your expectations have been high, like a lot. And, and things have just gone, forget about just collapsing in 07 and 08. I mean, there's been all kinds of things, right? That's why people still talk about whether or not Terry Collins should have put Matt Harvey in a, in a game in a World Series that happened years ago. It's not even the only reason they won. I'd more like to know why Familia was in a game up 6 nothing and then tired, giving up a home run to Alex Gordon. But that's another thing. And I love Terry Collins. Nick fans... They haven't been excited about anything. They've been nothing to get excited about. It's why the Jeremy Lin thing was so amazing for 10 days, right? You would have Nick fans who would be jumping on Twitter, talking shit to like Sixers fans, Celtics fans, thinking they're going to win the East, even though none of that probably would happen, especially in the first year, because I think Barrett needs to take a couple of more years and a leap probably. But you've got, you've got room on this Mitchell contract to be with him for a while, which I think is great. I don't think it would happen this year. I think it would be more a year of them coming to like more credibility and then getting pieces to take little money veterans who are winners to kind of put the pieces around now that they see what you would have and the what you would have to me to make this deal work is i'm keeping now look because of the robinson signing and now being official he you can't trade him what till december 15th i think it is right so i think you've got him on the team you've got randall you've got barrett you've got brunson and you, you bring in Mitchell, and everyone else gets moved. I'm not trading R.J. Barrett because I like his growth, and he's so young, and I think that we're not talking about enough about how good of a season he had. He hit big shots. He's getting better as a shooter. He's becoming more, I think, demonstrative with, like, you know, in, in big spots, wanting the ball and to be that guy, and I think he's going to get help now by having a true point guard that can really – can, can feed him and find him and create and off the dri dribble and the things that Brunson can do. But 
I'm giving everyone else. Now, I understand that would deplete them, and you're going to sign a bunch of guys to minimums, and how are you going to fill the roster? But you want quickly, you want Toppin, you want McBride, you want, you want, you, how many of the first rounders you want? Like, I think they asked for six, was the report, right? Was it six or seven of the eight? You can have them. And here's the thing, right? I understand the value of first round picks. It's a haul. Donovan Mitchell is not worth six first round picks. He's not, but he is to the Knicks. You know why? Because nobody gives a shit about prospects that's a Knicks fan. Nobody cares about picks that's a Knicks fan. First of all, in the NBA, the roster's so small. Half these guys don't play. They go overseas. They're in the G League anyway. You're not even going to see them. That's number one. Second thing, through the 9,342nd thing. So one, right? One, don't care about prospects. Two through 9,342 is... Every Knicks fan will tell you the same thing. And it's also a good basketball decision. They need to win now. They don't need prospects. They don't need picks. They don't need potential. They don't need any of those P's. You know what they need? You know what P they need? Not the parade, because they're not going to get that yet. Who am I kidding? They need playoff games. The New York Knicks fan base needs playoff games. The New York Knicks franchise needs playoff games. They don't need prospects. They're not getting parades right now. They don't need potential. I don't want to hear about picks. I want to hear about playoff tickets. That's what I want to hear. It's what every Knicks fan wants to hear. They want the entertainers back in the garden. They want to buzz back in the building. They want to say, you know what? I don't care. Screw you. Durant's there. Kyrie. Brooklyn doesn't matter. Right? Ben Simmons. Have at it. Enjoy. It's our city. We are the Mecca. And we're going to be in the playoffs. And we're going to host some playoff games. And we're going to get to the next step and then the next step. We're going to have Donovan Mitchell, who's going to do things in almost every game that's going to wow that crowd. And that's the crowd in the whole NBA you want to wow. They don't need picks. They need playoff games. The picks aren't going to do shit for them. What are they going to do, store them? You don't have enough spots on your roster anyway. You can't get free agents. Here's the other thing. Now, this happens in every sport, and teams don't understand this, and it, it really boggles my mind. How many teams don't realize, like, okay, if guys aren't going to sign with me, and this happens in a lot of like the Pirates, right? You're just giving an example. By the way, look at the teams I'm comparing the Knicks to, the Orioles and the Pirates, Okay. But if you're like the Pirates, no one's signing with you, all right? Unless you're going to sign, which you can do, one-year deals of guys who are, can be really good, have been, and they need a one-year Band-Aid deal to kind of turn their, their you know, cycle around so that the next year they go out to free agency, everyone wants them. You can get that guy and use them and then trade him at the deadline and get a prospect, and that's the kind of thing you got to do in churn and burn. If you're the Knicks and you can't get free agents to come to you, and one of the reasons is that they don't think you're going to win at a high level, and number two, they don't want to deal with Dolan, right, clearly. If they don't want to be part of that circus and they don't think it's going to be worth it, the juice isn't going to be worth the squeeze, you have to then trade for those guys. Now, I have for years been like, is there a way we can get Damian Lillard? It's always been my thing. Like, look, I'm glad that he, you know, stay, it's good for the league that he stayed in Portland. It's good for that city. And I love Dame, probably my favorite player that's a, not a Nick. But, like, it's, he's one of those guys, like, man, if he was in New York, like, imagine what he could be. Like, the fact that he's got, like, you know, years where, like, he's not, he's being discussed. Is he going to be snubbed from the All-Star game? Are you kidding me? But, like, that's not happening if he's in New York. Donovan Mitchell's in Utah, and now they have no one to play around him. Sorry, goodbye. Uh, he can't wait. The excitement level, how much fun he would have playing at home and being back, and the electricity he brings, the fact that you can't get free agents, 
This is a way you can get it through trade. You're not hoarding the picks for any certain reason, are you? What the hell are you going to do with them anyway? By the time you get them, it's like you can't afford – Randall will be gone. You couldn't afford Barrett. He'll go somewhere else. And, like, what else are you going to have? Like, you overpaid Jalen Brunson because you had to. This is a deal that just fell in your lap. You had no idea that the Jazz were going to go the other way this much, right? Because they don't move Gobert. Forget about them getting along or not. I don't want to hear that nonsense. They were still going to be a winning team. If Quinn doesn't leave, they don't move Gobert. And those are ifs, but this is just a couple months ago, right? It's not like it's a year ago. Those two things don't happen. Donovan Mitchell's not there for you. You're the team he wants to go to. You're the team that can make the deal. Make the freaking deal. I don't care if you're going to send six first-round picks, quickly Toppin and two other dudes, and go give them seats at the Garden for the rest of I don't care what you have to do. Do it. Do it. You have no choice. You have to do it. Is it going to net you a championship? To be honest, probably not. Are you going to be a playoff team every year he's there in that contract? Yes. Do you do it for that reason? You're damn right you do it for that reason. When you're the Knicks at this point in your franchise, you restore your credibility. Because you may not win until five years from now. He may be gone. But the four years you get in the playoffs will revitalize you to a point where you're actually on the map and not being compared to the Pirates or the freaking Baltimore Orioles. No offense, because I know they're playing well. You have to do it. Mitchell to the Mecca, out in the universe. Make it happen. Podcast episode number 16 in the books. At me at Casey Stern. I like all sports. I covered three of the major four, and the other one, maybe even my favorite in hockey. You get all kinds of different stuff from me. At me on different lists, things you want to bring out. Uh, I already told you about the fact that, and I've got a couple of guests coming here before we get to our deadline special. We're going to have a week of deadline special shows, which are going to be bananas with agents and GMs. Also, I've got a list coming up of the worst decisions in my lifetime that have been made in sports. All kinds of stuff. So very, very excited. But I won't be as excited about any of that, any of that, no offense to the podcast or believe, as I will be if I hear Mitchell to the Mecca. Episode 16 in the books. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.